<laughs> well, welcome, want to welcome those of you uh, watching in Issaquah and Duval as well. As we uh, finish up this series, I don't know though, a super fan, I got to tell you, any of you see the game on Friday? I didn't feel like a super fan at that time, but uh, as we're, what we're really doing is we're talking about uh, the mission that God has called us on together as a, as a church and how that intersects with our personal mission in life. As we head into the fall season, and we're going to be uh, looking at enjoying right now in the book of Philippians and some other uh, series that really have to do with some of our own felt needs, what I thought was important is that we pause and we look at really the mission that God would have uh, for every believer. But we, but we want to get this right. I was uh, online and I was looking at uh, even big companies that tried products and they didn't get them right. Uh, any of you remember this one right here, New Coke? You're still trying to get the taste out of your mouth, aren't you? Uh, and then uh, here is another one. Uh, I thought this was funny. It's Clairol Touch of Yogurt Shampoo. And the problem was, is that people actually, some people thought they were supposed to drink it. It did not work out really well. And then this is my favorite one, Thirsty Dog Bottled Water. If you have that, then you uh, have a lot of money to burn. And then this was, this one didn't go too well, Earring Magic Ken, a little bit of the disco guy. And uh, then this one, I can't decide why it didn't work out, Bacon Floss. Doesn't that sound awesome to you? Uh, and then this last one, it was really uh, this clay modeling with poo. And unfortunately, some kids got confused, and uh, that didn't work out too well. Well, uh, as we have a little fun and we look at uh, what God would have not only uh, for us, but what God would want us to participate in, I think it's important that we start right with a verse of Scripture where Jesus addresses really the issue of life mission. I've talked to a number of people lately who really have found a level of success in their life, and they're asking that uh, what's next question. And so I think no matter where we're at in life, whether you're just starting out in college or you're well on in your career, uh, that, that's important to look at. Now, we've looked at it a couple times uh, for us when it comes to our career. This one I'm talking about more God's plans and purposes. So uh, we read uh, our first verse, John 15, 16, Jesus said, I have appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And really what that has to do is with uh, our mission. And a key question that I want to look at today is how do I live with greater purpose? And my contention is it's when we, we live beyond ourselves and, uh, and we connect with what God has for us. Now, in week one, uh, we've been going through some of the values we have as a church. Week one, we looked at committed to the uncommitted. Got a lot of great uh, feedback uh, from some of you who are in your faith journey. You say, hey, I'm not yet committed uh, to Jesus yet, uh, but I'm glad I'm in a place where I can work through that process. Last week, uh, Pastor Rick Enlow looked at a low shame level. And today, what I want to do is I want to really wrap up the last three values that we have uh, as a church. So, so our mission as a church is this is that we are a Christ-centered church 
committed to making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. That's really what God has called us to. And on that, uh, we live out these values. And a few of the values that we have, I'm going to look at the, uh, uh, some of the last ones, is uh, that we want to remove barriers for people to connect with God and other people. Seeking to follow him, we create no weird stuff, irresistible environments. And then our fifth value is this. We invest in the next generation. We do this with our time, energy, and financial resources. And of course, one you hear all the time is that we believe spiritual growth happens when we take our next right step in Jesus Christ. And really, all of this uh, has to do with mission and purpose. Well, what does it mean for me to live that out with God directing that? There's a passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that talks about what happens when we come into relationship with God and that he gives us actually spiritual gifts. Uh, We read this. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in them, in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Will you underline the common good? Uh, that, that when God gives us spiritual gifts, and now some of you may say, hey, this is sort of weird stuff here. Uh, well, wouldn't it make sense that if God wanted us to uh, live a life of purpose and mission, that he would enable us to do that? And then part of that, and this can be confusing, is how I live that out will be different than how you live that out. In fact, there are a number of places in the Bible uh, where it talks about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 1 Peter uh, 4, and Ephesians 4. And it talks about these different kind of gifts that God gives us. There are gifts of uh, hospitality. That's a, that's a spiritual gift. Some of you have that. Gifts of evangelism. Martyrdom. That's not, not, not many people say that's a spiritual gift I want. You only get to use that one once, by the way. Uh, celibacy. Not many people are asking for that one either. <laughs> there's uh, also there's people who have the spiritual gift of faith. Have you ever met people like this? Like you're looking at a situation and you're like, you're maybe, uh, well, a little more of an Eeyore personality or realistic, as I would say it. And you're like, ah, uh, that had never happened. And these people, like they have the theme of Rocky going in the background in their head all the time. And they're like, no, you can do that. And God uses all these spiritual gifts together uh, for his purpose. And really in this, uh, we understand that God has an assignment for anyone who would come into relationship with him and be a follower of his. And so I'm not going to look at any spiritual gift tests. Those those are helpful. I think maybe honestly a little less helpful than what we're going to look at. They can help us get thinking about what the possibilities are. But I want to look at how do I discover my God assignment, that assignment that God uh, would have for me. Now, as we talk about this, if you've been in church before, usually uh, this is you know, really focused because they need help in the three-year-old's classroom. And honestly, today, I was going to look at uh, in just specifically investing in the next generation, but I know that some of you, that's not going to be the primary thing that you're called to. Oftentimes, uh, it can be guilt-driven, or, you know, there's a ministry, and really it's more about what's wanted from you 
than what God wants for you. Or uh, that we can have spiritual gift projection. We believe we should all have the same spiritual gift. But the truth is, is that you're unique. Uh, Some of you are more unique than others, (laughs) and uh, you're complex as well. Any of you married to someone wonderfully complex? Yeah, we uh, we are. So how do we understand that? Number one, uh, you want to begin with what you enjoy. You want to begin with what you enjoy. Uh, And this is not narcissism at all. And in fact, uh, this is called living on purpose. Uh, Solomon who is the wisest man in the world. He talks about the practicalities of that when it comes to work. He says in Ecclesiastes 3, so I saw there's nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work. Especially when you're about God's work, it should be something that you should enjoy. It should be something uh, that's life-giving to you. And then part of this is you need to acknowledge what you do well. And I know there are some people who say, oh, I don't do anything well. That, you know, that really, in a sense, is an affront to God. Because there's always something uh, that, that we do well. It may be different than someone else. You may not think it's as valuable. But, but it's valuable to God, and we have to understand that. Now, it's important to put these together. By the way, do what you enjoy. I should add for some of you, do what you enjoy that's not sinful, because I know you people. Uh, the, uh, so yeah, it has to be something that's God-honoring there, and uh, also something that you do well, and maybe both of those things are sinful for you. But there's something that's not, and you want to consider that uh, for your life. In, in the message paraphrase, it says this in Galatians 6.4, it says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given, and sink yourself into that. And then we're encouraged to give this realistic evaluation of ourselves. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. And part of that is is just understanding how uniquely we're made. 1 Peter 4.10, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. Will you underline serve others? As faithful faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, it, as I said, it's pretty interesting that uh, we, we all have these bents that we have, and we, we wonder how God can use them. Some, some of you, as I said, have the gift of uh, hospitality. Some of you, mercy. So some, some of you, you, like, you, you look for people who are, feel left out. You scan the room and you saw someone sitting alone and you said, I just have to make sure that person is okay. Or when someone's in the hospital, you're the first person. You say, you know what? I really want to go visit that person. By the way, hospitals freak me out. Uh, so, and that's really bad as a pastor, uh, it, it is, it is, because, you know, when I first became a pastor, I, w- I was taught, I went to uh, a graduate school, which is called seminary, and there they teach you all sorts of things that you should never do if you want to be a successful pastor. And so uh, one of those things is that you need to go visit everyone in the hospital. And sometimes I do, because I wanted to be a good pastor. The problem is people felt worse after I visited them. They did, and I was trying, I really, I was trying to make them feel better. I mean, literally, I pastored one church that had a lot of older people in it, and I would walk into the hospital and they'd look at me like, is it that bad? 
you know, and so, uh, it, but some of you, you have incredible gifts like that. Some of you are born organizers. Like if someone asked you, hey, will you come over and help me organize my pantry? You would lose your mind. You would think that is awesome. And me, I would rather be a speed bump on I-90 uh, than to do that. That would be my spiritual gift there. And, and God uses this complexities of who we are for his purposes. In fact, one thing I've noticed that's pretty interesting is you ever see someone who on the outside appears to have it really all together? Uh, I've really never seen a person like that be really effective uh, for God. It's something like that because we think we don't need him. There's something about that in interdependency on one another that God creates the environment uh, to do his absolute best work. Some of you uh, have uh, the gift of, of teaching. Some of you have the gift of leadership. In fact, some of you with the gift of leadership, you're up there and you're thinking, you know, I could do better than Sigmund right now. <laughs> and you're, you know, because you're born to be uh, a leader. But does God have a hold of that gift? Does, does he? Well, another question to ask is, what bothers me? Uh, and, and I'm not just talking about people who drive 35 on the 202. <laughs> I'm talking about what, what sort of is that thing that bothers me? Does, maybe, maybe you see uh, kids and you say, Man, kids are so important. It just bothers me that there's not people who are willing to invest their lives in them. Or maybe what uh, the issues around homelessness. I, I just, I'd love to see what's happened with our partnership with Acres of Diamonds. Uh, many of you know that it's transitional housing for uh, women uh, in their children coming out of homelessness. And an organization, honestly, that was struggling and may have not had a future, but because of you, the number of people volunteering and donating, and we're supporting in a major way financially as a church. And some of you have a great passion for that, and God is using that gift. And here, here's something, though, that I think is really important. If God is giving you a nudge about something, that, that means that you're the one that's supposed to do something about that. Uh, now, in more traditional churches, we don't really get this a lot here. If someone says, thinks, well, there needs to be some ministry done, they'll call the church and say, somebody needs to do something about it. And if you feel that way, then wouldn't it make sense, since God has given you the passion, God would also give you the assignment. In Proverbs 31, 8, it says, Speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. James put it this way, and he really puts the onus on us even more. Uh, he says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. And, and I, I was thinking about that times when God has given me that nudge, and I simply haven't really responded. And, and I want to be the one who always says, God, you always have my yes. 
Uh, well, how else do we discover our assignment is start with the right now needs and opportunities. Uh, if we're not faithful in what's now, we'll never get to what's next. And so it's really important to say, God, what do you have for me uh, right now? One of the things that I learned is when I first became a Christ follower, I was a teenager, I was around 16 years old, and so I would volunteer for anything. If they needed someone to take out garbage, I would be the garbage taker outer or something like that. And uh, I rem- at this church I was going to, one of the big things they did was musicals. And I thought, I am going to be in the musical. The only problem with that is I cannot dance and I cannot sing. And uh, so, I, but I was just willing, and I found out by being involved in that musical that not only does God never want me to do that again, uh, that if I die and I wake up and there's a musical, I probably went to hell. <laughs> so the, uh, you know, there, but, but we need to understand seriously, uh, what's that need in front of us right now? I know people who will say, well, you know, I'm just waiting Waiting to find out. I don't really see that in the Bible that much. Even while you're waiting, God gives you an assignment. Every once in a while, I'll get this from uh, someone. Well, you know, I think God is calling me to be a pastor, which, by the way, I love being a pastor. To me, I love that. It's great. And some people will say, well, you love it because, you know, the church is getting big. And you know what? I love being a pastor when I pastored 37 well, 34 little old ladies and three little old men. I thought that was the greatest job in the world. I've always loved doing that. And I'll get every once in a while someone say, I'm called to be a pastor. I'll say, well, what ministry are you involved in now? And it's like, ah, nothing. Really? See, it, it says this uh, in the Scriptures. Uh, Luke 16.10, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted uh, with much. So are we faithful in that very uh, little that God has called us to? So here's what I want to do. Before we go into our big season, and, and although the summer's been amazing around Timberlake, I want to invite you, if, you're, uh, if you say I'm a follower of Christ, or maybe you're not yet, but you say, hey, I just want to get involved some way. We even have ministries uh, like that, some entry-level ministries. Uh, where you would say, I want to get involved. So what I want to do is I want to spend some time and go just very practically now and look at some of the right now opportunities. In your uh, program, uh, there's a join a team. And some of you are on a team. In fact, about half the adults at the church are already serving in a ministry team. And to give you a little bit of a perspective, that's about two and a half times the number in an average church our size. And so I I'm really would encourage you, and maybe it's been a while uh, since you've been on a, been on a team. Uh, so, so here are some of the ministry opportunities. Uh, the first one is I'm unsure where I want to serve, but I want to get involved. And I think that's a legitimate one. We've had a bunch of people. Uh, in the last 100 days, over 160 adults have signed up for ministry uh, who have not been serving before. And you'd say a lot of them have served that. Maybe the first impressions team, a greeter, uh, uh, usher, the kids team. And by the way, even though uh, I believe investing in the next generation is huge, 
I want to give you permission, if you're on one of these ministry teams and it's not a fit, to quit that ministry. And it doesn't mean that you're quitting God's plan. It just you realize maybe you're serving in the middle school ministry and you don't like them. <laughs> they, uh, but but I, I literally meet people almost every month who had to leave their church to not serve in a ministry anymore. And it, I'll tell you, if anyone on our team guilts you like that, I'm going to punch them in the throat. So the, uh, in Jesus' name. So the, uh, you can, as long as you end it with in Jesus' name or bless her heart, you know, it's okay. Anyway, uh, so, uh, but, but encourage you to do that. Music team. Again, you know, it's got to be something enjoying, something you're good at. Well, figure, find that out, won't we? So the, uh, but we all have a, by the way, uh, we love to start people out. Some, oh yeah, you know, I really want to get on the big stage. All, everyone in our uh, music ministry, you know where they ever serve? They serve wherever they're needed. Uh, and, uh, you know, Jillian, who's been with us for years, she was out in the Issaquah campus last week. And so that's just sort of how we roll. We figure we want to humbly serve wherever uh, the Lord has called us to serve. A growth group host, that's another big one. We're going into a growth group season Uh, We had about 1,280 adults in a growth group uh, this last season, and there's been hundreds of people who have come over this summer. Our our attendance has grown quite a bit over the summer, and there are people who need someone, a place to go. And we train you, we'll give you, you know, we want to go, we'll work through the process of helping you either teach, and if that's, you've been part of it, or maybe just use a DVD training where you put in a DVD, and we give you some training and some, invite some people over. By the way, I have to warn you, if you are married and you decide to take a spiritual step like this, truly, I can assure you, one hour before your growth group, you will get in the worst fight of your life with your spouse. It will happen, and it will, <laughs> I mean, you are going to do that, and you will be, at, and the, you know the cool thing is? is you will resolve it because there's a dozen people coming over to your house. And in fact, some of you have not been able to solve your marriage problems. You're waiting to host a growth group. You need to start hosting a growth group to start dealing with some of your marriage issues, you know? They, ser- seriously, uh, my wife and I, uh, and we're both strong-willed people, the counselor when we got married said, yeah, sure, you're both like freight trains. And if you're going in the same direction, that's great. If you're going towards each other, it could be a disaster. And when we have led growth groups, it's truly helped us because we know that we have to work on our own marriage so that we uh, can be leaders. And I've told you, sometimes that can be difficult because my wife, Terry, has got a lot of work to do. So the... Uh, <laughs> She's going to kill me. So the uh, uh, acres of diamonds, I talk about that. Uh, you, by the way, as, for those of you who, even as you give every week, because as you do that and you serve, you should be proud of what God is doing. My prayer is that we will have a significant expansion of that uh, because it seems the capacity for caring is so great. Uh, the care team, and that includes the prayer team, maybe you're in a place where you say, yeah, you know, I'm on the road and all of that. Could, could you pray for people? 
the tech team, I'm always nice to them because they can make me look bad. And so I always give them tickets to Comic-Con or whatever they want. No, the, <laughs> the IT support team, uh, stagehand administrative support safety team. I've said that before. If people say, why do you have a safety team? Because this is a real safe place around here. And that's like if you just, uh, decide to get involved in the children's ministry. We need a lot of people involved, but you're going to have to fill out an application and a background check, and we're going to tail you for a few days. <laughs> because this needs to be not only a great place, an encouraging place, but a safe place for our children. And then uh, uh, facilities team, uh, Timberlake, uh, Woodenville, Bothell launch team. If many of you, you might have been in and out this summer, and you might n- uh, not know that in 2016, uh, we're going to be launching another campus. There sort of has been the gravitational pull of two areas, Snoqualmie and Woodenville, Bothell, where a lot of you uh, live or have moved to. And you say, hey, we want a place that's not, a, uh, uh, not as far away we're, because we're willing to go, but we want to be able to invite our friends, and they're more willing to go. And so maybe you would commit for six months to be part of that. See, when, when we are about ministry together, it's not just what God does through that ministry. It's what God does in us through that ministry. Some of you are saying, you know, I feel spiritually stagnant. Here's my question. Where are you serving in a significant way? Well, I really want to go do something. I'm telling you. You're not going to grow until you say, God, I'm just willing to, to serve uh, wherever. Now, of course, you need a ministry in the home, ministry in the workplace. But maybe there's some place even right here that God has called you. So I'm going to encourage you to fill that out. And then uh, as the offering comes by, if you say, uh, and, and then put it in. By the way, uh, as you put that in, I just want to be real clear. You're not making a lifetime commitment to a ministry you're saying, I'm willing to get more information. So all of you who are good people do that. All of you who are horrible don't. No, just kidding. That's guilt. (laughs) Uh, Seriously, uh, we need to decide, number five, who am I living for? The Apostle Paul, who wrote the primary passage we looked at up front, also wrote this. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. If you're a Christian, I will tell you that one of the greatest times of growth is when you humbly serve others in the name of Jesus Christ. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is part of it. Helen Keller said this, and many of you know just uh, her life story and and, uh, difficulties and and blindness, and all of that. She said, I am only one, but still I'm one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I uh, cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something that I can do. Here's what can happen at this point. We can focus on like, oh, yeah, Ben, but you know, I'm sort of disqualified because I've blown it in the past. Can I be very frank with you? Don't focus on your past because God doesn't. Don't focus on who you were, but focus on who God is calling you to be. And when you make that investment, you get to answer that purpose question. God, what, 
what does it mean for me to not only live in relationship with you, but to make a significant impact? One of the places we've seen huge impact is in our kids and our student ministries. And uh, I, I always love hearing the stories of students whose lives are changed, and particularly the story that you're going to hear of a student who really, you know, was not, not even anywhere in the realm of wanting to follow God. And it wasn't uh, just that it was no problems in life after that, but came to a relationship with Jesus and even in the most difficult moments, how God met her there. I want you to hear her story. 